I'm going to jump right into my message today. And I'm pumped about it because so many of these, I mean, there's been so much of the story already told. And I want to pull out three little parts of the Christmas story, though, that have really ministered to me over the years. You know, a lot of times you can get in the rut of a tradition, which traditions are amazing. But a lot of times you can get such in a rut of a tradition, kind of the meaning of the purpose of that loses its value. Or you can get stuck in a rut of a tradition and miss out what the whole point of it was for. Now, I'm sure everyone's heard this, but it always brings me back to the uh, remembrance of the story of the young lady that had gotten married and on her first mar- on her first Christmas with her family, she wanted to cook the family ham. And so she went to the store, she bought the ham, she brought it home, and um, she went to get it ready to cook. And her husband, her new husband was there and she was wanting to impress him on how good she cooked. So she took the ham and she chopped both ends off put it in the pan and got it ready to cook. And she, her husband was like, why are you chopping the ends of the ham off? And she goes, you know, I don't know. Uh, that's just the way my mom always did it. And so he goes, well, why would you do that? That don't make any sense. And so she goes, well, let me call my mom. So she called her mom and said, hey, mom, why do we always chop both ends of the ham off before we cook it for Christmas? And she goes, you know, I don't know. That's just the way my mom always taught me to do it. Was we get the ham and we chop the ends off and we prepare it to put it in the oven. And so she goes, let me call my mom. So she called her mom. And she said, mom, why did you always chop the ends of the ham off before we cooked the ham? She goes, well, honey, I did it because the ham never would fit in the pot. We didn't have one big enough for it to go inside. But see... That tradition, what, what was an act, got lost in translation over the years. And they've been throwing away perfectly good ham. Just because some things weren't explained. And I know this, the, the story of Christmas can kind of lose its meaning because we, we've told it so many ways in so many years. And I know every year when it comes to Christmas time, I want to make sure that I just reset my heart to really remember what it was. And so, this year on Christmas, I want to bring out three just small parts. I don't have very long. As a matter of fact, from this moment on, I have 20 minutes before we close out with an amazing concert today. But what I feel like the Lord wanted me to share today were just three things. What the real meaning of Christmas is. And I believe the first real meaning of Christmas is that Christmas is proof that there's hope. There's proof that there's hope. And so, what I'm going to do now, because my scripture text here is extremely hard to read. So when we were planning this service, I tried to figure out a way to get someone else to read this for me. So I wouldn't have to read it in front of you. So I'm going to turn it over to Miss Tanya right here. While me and Justin set up some things real quick. And I'm going to let her read our Christmas text here. morning, church. I'll be reading to you Matthew 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. 
Jacob, the father of Judah, and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nadashah. Nadashah, the father of Sadman. Sadman, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boab, Boaz was the father of Shed, whose mother was Ruth. Shed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abjah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jechamah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud. Abihud, the father of Eliah. Brace with me, y'all. Eliakim. <laughs> Eliakim, the father of Azar. Azar, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Elihud. Elihud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Matan. Matan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. 14 from David to the exile to Babylon. And 14 from the exile to the Messiah. So it's pretty slick, wasn't I? <laughs> I had to figure out a way not to read that. But you say, Cricket, that's the worst Christmas story I've ever heard. But that's the way the Christmas story started. When you open the New Testament and you begin to read, the first book of the New Testament begins to lay out one father had a son. And another father had a son. And another father had a son. And it began to lay out 42 generations. It took 42 generations for Jesus to be able to follow Abraham's bloodline to produce the will of God. And I believe the first message in Christmas is that it's a message of hope. And the hope God wants us to have is this. He has a plan at work in your life. I don't know what you're going through and I don't know what situations you're dealing with. But I know this, you're not going through it alone. God has a plan at work. See, when you start in this story, 
You know, you can jump over to the next chapter and start reading about the Virgin Mary, but it didn't start there. It started where men messed up royally and they lost their place with God. They couldn't have fellowship. They couldn't walk with Him or talk with Him anymore. And so God said this. He says, you know what? They've blown it. Now their life is in a spot that I never intended on it to be. And I don't, I'm not going to let it stay this way. The story, I believe, the message of hope for Christmas is this. God has a plan and He's working out whatever it is in your life you need Him to work out. It took Him 42 generations to fix the sin of the world. I know this. There have been times in my life I looked up and said, How in the world am I going to fix what I've done done in my life now? But then I've been able to look up at God and know that He had a plan. Let me explain to you about God's plan going on in your life. He's always at work from the moment you arrived on this planet. He's been at work behind the scenes. And the thing about it is, a lot of times, when we look at what's going on in our lives, it may not look like God's involved. You say, well, Cricket, if God had a plan for my life, why did He let me be born into this family? Why did He let me be born into this situation? Why would He allow me to come into this hardship? Or why would He allow other people to do this to me? Or you think, man, what a mess. But I love this story of God's plan. Because, you know, not every one of these people in this story came from good places. As a matter of fact, the one that it starts off with, Abraham, was living in a city, in a country, that God never intended on him to live. Abraham's father was headed to Canaan when his brother died in Haram, and they got stuck there. So when Abraham was born, he found himself in a place in life he was stuck. I want you to know something. You may be here today and... You feel like you're stuck. I want you to know God's got a plan in your life to make things right and to make things good again. Hope is this, that tomorrow will be better. Hope, the definition of hope is there's going, it's going to be better than what it is right now. I want you to know something. Christmas is the proof that there's hope. And if you will allow God's plan to work in your life, what happens a lot of times is God has been working behind the scenes because we've not given God's plan a chance to work in our lives. So whether you've wanted God's plan at work in your life or not, He's been there working it. He, You may not have wanted to recognize Him. You may not have wanted to acknowledge Him, but He's been there working. I can prove that God has a plan because you may think you got up this morning and chose to come here, but God has been working behind the scenes all week long or all month long getting the right people to invite you to the right place or getting the right circumstances to happen to, for even us to be able to get crew in today. It was a miracle of God. And so the things going on was this. There's proof that even that you're in this room, God has been at work in your life. Now, He will work behind the scenes on your behalf for as long as you allow Him to. But every person in this story, in this first chapter, at some point, they were living their life, doing life their way, But at some point, they had to stop and realize that I need to change the way I'm living. And I need to give God's way of living a chance. And when that happened, amazing things happened. I love it in this this chapter here. Because when you're reading it from our perspective, a lot of times you read through there and you see all these great men. And then a lot of names that you don't know and a lot of names you can't pronounce. But obviously they were great guys because they were in Jesus' family tree. But then all of a sudden, there's a woman's name that pops up. It's the first woman's name in this story. And I love this woman in the Bible. She's almost one of my very favorite characters. Her name is Rahab. 
And in the story of the lineage and generation of Jesus, which is proof of God's plan, there was a girl that was living a life of prostitution. A woman that did not know how to support her family or do any other thing. So she was doing whatever she could do, any which way she could do it, to just try to make a living or survive what they were born into or what they were going through. And the lifestyle that she found to live would be one that would take her so far from the plan of God that you would think God couldn't use her anymore. But then God got a hold of her. And she said, God, I may be living this way, but I want to live your plan for my life. And when you go into the Old Testament and you read about Rahab, you see there was a moment she changed the way she chose to live. And she said, I've lived this way, but I'm going to make a conscious decision to live this way. I'm here to tell somebody, I don't care what kind of life you've lived in the past. It hasn't, it, your sin is not greater than God's plan. God's plan is so amazing. God's plan. See, a lot of times what happens is we end up making a huge mess. Anytime I've ever tried to do life my way, what's happened is I would find myself doing things in a way that would just mess things up royally. I'm going to wiggle this thing all over. i got way too many wrong things up here. A lot of times when we start living our life and doing things our way, we start trying to make things work out, try to put things together. I'm going to change all together. Go with the brush. A lot of times we, we, we try to live lives the way we think they should be lived and do things the way we think they should be done. And what happens is when we do we begin to realize that what we thought life would look like ends up just being a huge mess. Now, you're saying, Cricket, what a mess you're making here. I know. I completely know that this does not look like anything you thought it was going to look like when I started. But I also know this. I started with the plan. I started with what I thought would be a good picture to show you guys. And you may be here this morning and you say, Cricket, I know God's got a plan, but boy, I sure have messed it up. I've not made any kind of sense of it at all. As a matter of fact, my life looks so far from the plan of God right now, I really don't know how to get it back. And I believe the Lord told me this morning to tell you there's hope. God has a plan for your life and that there's hope. And that Christmas is proof that there's hope and that there's a plan that God, if you'll just allow God's plan to work in your life, what you thought could never be anything amazing, what you thought was always going to be dark and dreary, what you thought you'd messed up or lived too long in a hard way, what you thought that it's been this way for so long, there's no way it could be any different. I'm here to tell you. Christmas is real. And hope is real. And so, the first message, I believe, in the message of Christmas... I don't want to paint your fingers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you, Justin. He's going to end up holding this whole thing. The first message of Christmas is that there's hope. And before this service is over today, before you walk out of here, I pray 
that you're going to be able to see the hope that God has for you. The next message, I believe, of Christmas. The Bible says there are three things that remain. It says that there's faith, hope, and love. Now, hope, Christmas, is just simply proof that there's hope. But hope only will take you so far. You know, if all you've got is hope, you're hoping things will get better. Or you're hoping that He's going to change. Or you're hoping that, you know, you're going to get that job. Or you're hoping your kids are going to act right today. Or you're hoping that somebody's going to come through and help you pay those bills. Or you're hoping that you're going to be able to quit. Or you're hoping, you know, hope will only carry you so far. And then what happens is, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So if all you do is get to the point of understanding that Christmas is proof that you have hope, that God has a plan, and you stop there, what's going to happen in your life is you'll come to a place where you're going to be sick because it takes more than just hope. The Bible says it's faith, hope, and love. And so Christmas is not just a story, I believe, Of hope. I believe it's a story of faith. Now there's a scripture in the story in the Christmas story, and this guy, I love him. He don't get as much attention as maybe the wise men, and he don't get as much attention as maybe the shepherds or maybe even Mary or Joseph. But to me, I believe his character is just as important as any other character in the Christmas story. His name is Simeon. In Luke chapter two, verse twenty five, where are you at, Miss Tanya? I'm going to pull her back up here. Come on, I'm going to let Miss Tanya read this story to you. Because a lot of times you know the Christmas story, but you can overlook this part. And I believe not only do you need to know that Christmas just didn't happen when Mary showed up on the scene. God had been working behind the scenes for 42 generations. The Bible says it was 14 generations before this, and then 14 generations. And then 14 is represented in the Bible as a double seven, which is the perfect work. God's been perfectly working in your life behind the scenes for years to get some of you to this point at this moment so you would hear that it's not always going to be this way. God's got things planned better for you, and there's a better way for you to live. And even if you've been living that way and you're saying, Craig, I'm going through a hard situation right now, I'm here to tell you, God's plan is for it to get better. And you can't stop God's plan if you just acknowledge God's plan for your life. The Bible says this in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of good not of evil, plans to give you a future and a hope. It's at work. But if all I do is hope it happens and I never step into faith knowing it's going to happen, then I miss out. I want you to tell the story of Simeon for me real quick. Is that cool? It's right there. <laughs> so it's with Luke 225 Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die from he would not die before he had seen the Lord the Lord's Messiah. 
Moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and he glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said before him. In the Bible that he knew God had made him a promise. He truly believed and hoped that there was going to be a Messiah come. But years had passed and he went from being a young man to a middle-aged man to being an old man. He'd never seen what God had promised him come true. And I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of things in my life and a lot of times in my life I thought, you know what? God, your word says this and man, I've been waiting forever. And it's like you're not making this stuff happen. And God, your word says, and so a lot of times what happens is I'll be believing God for something. It seems like for a long time. And because it takes time, because God's plan always works around time, a lot of times I give up on God's plan thinking obviously He was going to do that for everybody but me. I'm here to tell you, the faith that you got to have in what Christmas promises is this. Not only is there hope that God's got a plan for you, that God will keep every promise He has ever made. The Bible says, Simeon, God had told him, you will not die, Simeon. You will not die before you see the Lord. And i got to be honest with you, there were days that probably Simeon did not believe it was going to happen because he would get up and his ankles would be hurting. Or he would get up and his back would be hurting. And it looked like, that you know, God promised him this. But it didn't happen. Have you ever come to a point with the promise of God that you thought there's just no way that this can happen? If it was going to, it would have. Have you gotten to a place in your life where it's easier to believe that God will do it for other people than He will do it for you? See, the enemy, the major battle in your life you'll fight from the devil is not whether or not God is real. The major battle you'll fight in your life is, can you believe what God has told you? The devil is after your faith more than anything else. He don't mind you having hope. I mean, the devil don't care if you hope that things are going to get better. The devil don't care if you hope that God's going to bring in the right one. The devil, what the devil cares about is do you believe that God's going to be faithful to His Word. And Simeon is the promise of the Bible that says this, God will keep His Word. If He said it, He will do it. Even if He has to stop the sun, if He has to change a king's heart, if He has to shift and split a sea, if He has to move a mountain, God will keep His Word. And see, what you got to do 
in your life when it comes to the story of Christmas. You've got to understand the very fact that Jesus was born, the very fact that we celebrate God leaving heaven and coming to earth fully man but still fully God, you've got to decide that if He said it, He will fulfill what He told me He would do. I'm here to tell you, say, Cricket, my husband's never going to get saved. No, you've got to find that scripture that says, As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Because if He said it, He will keep it. You've got to get to a place where you believe it. Now, I'm going to speed up just for a minute, Joe. Will you give me some music? Because I'm, I'm approaching. I've got two minutes, Lord. And so, I've got to finish this so you can see this. Because I believe it is the story of what Christmas is. So Joe, give me a song. I'll be done in two minutes. If you'll bear with me. And then I'm going to turn it over. The last point I got is this. The Christmas story is a story of love. God's love is so amazing. God's love is so powerful. God's love is so reaching that He was willing to leave heaven. Come to earth. The Bible says this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved you so much. There was no price He wouldn't pay. I'm here to tell you this. You say, well, that's awesome, Cricket. No, you need to understand what, how deep His love even went. When He was born, He wasn't born into a, a king's palace like He could have been. He was born into a manger. You say, well, Cricket, why is that important? I believe it's important for this reason. I believe... Jesus was willing to come into the worst situation to show you that you've never done anything or you've never been anywhere that He wasn't willing to come inside and get to. You say, well, Cricket, I don't know. I don't know if God can love me enough because of all the mistakes I've made or all the people I've done wrong or all the failures that I've caused. Or, but I'm here to tell you this. God's love is greater than any sin. God's greater love is greater than any failure. God's love is greater than any moment of weakness in your life. And if you can understand that God's love is greater than all that you've done or been through, then you can get the story of Christmas. The Bible says there are three things. There's faith, there's hope, and there's love. But the greatest of these, the Bible says, is love. Of of all of what He's done, He's loved you more than anything. And His coming to earth is proof that He loves you. The question is, what are you going to do with that love? If it's yours... If He's given it to you. And He went through all the trouble for you to have it. Are you going to waste it? Or are you going to accept it? Because... I know this for a fact. And I'm just going to have to speed up and leave it ugly if it's going to stay ugly. I know this for a fact. There's nothing He won't do 
to get to you. And if you'll just reach up your hand, like I imagine Jesus did in the manger that night, when Mary and Joseph were there, and Joseph reached down and took baby Jesus' hand, if you'll reach to God today, He'll reach down and take yours. Greatest story of Christmas to me is that if you'll let Him, He will reach you. So before we dismiss, I want to give you a chance to meet Jesus if you've never met Him. If you have met Him, then I want you to remember that His plan is at work in your life, that you can trust what He said, and He loves you right what you're going through and no matter what you've ever done. But if you haven't, this is your day. Your day to meet Jesus.